I've been doing this thing where I try people's drills I see on TikTok and then review it like a food review, but a drill review. I've thought about doing that too. Actually, I was going to steal some of your, uh, I need some defensive drills. There's a, there's a parent that was like, look, the coach said the kid needs to work on defense. And I'm like, well, is the coach working on defense in practice? He's like, no. I was like, okay, well, let me do some research and try to figure out if I can figure out defensive drills, which I think is interesting. I'm the only person to ever do specific defense drills because train AJ, who all they said he can't play defense and they still complain about it. But well, so what do you do? Uh, we got a bunch. So, um, you want to make it competitive and it kind of depends on what defense. So, like, first with any form of defense, it's understanding what defense is. Mm-hmm. So, when you look at like the professional setting, it's a lot more clear cut than college and high school because you can get away with just being really active in high school and kind of running around and the coach will yeah. think you're playing defense versus what actual defense is because in, in the, in the NBA, the goal of defense isn't to prevent a shot. It's to reduce the likelihood of a make. So if he wanted no NBA players going to get the ball just stolen from them, they don't, they're at yeah. such a level that On ball skills gonna, are pretty rare. You're not going to steal a ball from them. You're not going to block their shot unless it's, you know, someone coming weak side as an on-ball defender, you're basically trying to make them pick the third of the three options. Right. And so with that, it's a scouting play, but also it's understanding the analytics. So with AJ, we talk a lot about like, if you're playing defense, if someone hits you with a hezzy and go, you get lifted and they go and dunk versus them hitting a pull-up fadeaway, the way a team (laughs) views those two points Right. Or so very different. Sit on the hezzy, don't fall for it, let them shoot it. Yeah. And or so like, yeah. watch the NBA and you'll see a lot of guys like they'll jump, they give distance and get distance. And it's so you have an NBA, you have a first contact they'll let you hit. So if you're playing on ball and you're fighting through a screen, that initial collision, they allow a good mutual exchange of contact between offense and defense. It's the secondary bump that you'll get called on every time. It's a swipe down their call and they'll call a hip check if they've already made gotten past you. But watch Drew Holiday. That initial impact, the both players they treat almost like they have right to ground. Mm. And so they'll let you check physically way more aggressively than you thought. And it's actually a lot further out in the perimeter than what you'd imagine. Anything in the paint is getting called. Unless it's mm. clean off the glass, they're calling in the paint. And so we do a couple of things with that in mind is we have three different drills. We did a lot with Reed actually too. And the one with AJ was really simple. It's disadvantage closeouts. You've probably done them before. And so he'd be like on the right block and I'd be on the wing, um, the left wing. You throw it out and basically I can shoot a three and I can drive. And you're at like the world's worst position. But at the end of the day, you want to think about not getting blown by. So you're practicing how you actually close out once I've lifted. And so it's not about me making or missing the shot. Cause I'd make a three. He'd be all pissed. And be like, well, oh, like that was a contest. Like that was a tougher make than the other one. And so mm-hmm. it was understanding where a tough make is and what that actually looks like. The other one we did were different, like wing position, closeout stuff, same thing in mind. Um, and some other stuff I really want to do with him now, this off season coming up is we have a lot of rope stuff. So mm-hmm. one we do with Reed was corralling and, so if I was the defend off, uh, offensive player, I'm dribbling the ball. Reed was has that rope wrapped on my waist, and he's holding the rope. He mm-hmm. wants to keep tension on the rope, so don't actually get too close. Because as a big man, the last thing you want is to lose your advantage, and that's your length. So you okay. actually want to give ground. Don't get too tight. Don't get too tight. Yeah. So you so it's get back and come forward. You going back once you're beat, you're done. You can always come forward. You can't go back because the minute you get a hip, it's over. I can, that's a foul hundred percent of the time. And so we did it in the open court and all Reed had to do is I dribble the ball and he have the rope on me. And the minute I dip and go, you just have to turn and burn and you got to keep tension on that rope. And the minute I stop reset and gather, because what you're teaching there is look, if I stop full speed and shoot a pull up, that's a really hard shot. 
Like mm. if I'm, if I have, if you're matching my angle and I'm now leaning forward and I decide to dead stop and pull up, that's not your fault. Teams score 130 points in the NBA. People are right. going to make shots. It's not a matter of, can I block him? It's, can I not make a play that is so easy for him? Can I make him expend some energy to take a tough shot? And that's where people get defense all wrong. They think like it's the stopping someone and just go, I mean, just watch an NBA game. You'll score 115 points. will be scored on each side of the ball. So are we really going to sit here and say defense is stopping someone? 115 points. Defense is just making sure someone takes a tougher shot than right. they want to. And so we'll do that drill. Then we'll do um, like think about it from the offensive end. You're always trying to make contact with people, especially in the NBA. You have huge advantages with the lane. And so you'll see a lot, a lot different than in college. People don't do as much, but in NBA, there's a lot of stop and go. Can I get someone on my hip? You watch Curry do it. Jordan, anyone does it off of a DHL. They're just kind of get you on their ass. And can I snake him? Now I control the whole field of play. And so what we do is we'll do sprint stuff where reads behind me with the rope. And this time he can't get tension on the rope and I'm in front of him and I'll dead sprint and then I'll stop. And he has to stop without getting in front of me or hitting me from behind. So he has to learn how to stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. So basically what you're taking is all the parts of defense. Cause you could say, Oh, you know, I'm going to play defense for 25 seconds on the defensive for 24 seconds. Okay. But other 24 seconds, there's probably only five seconds that determine whether or not I had a successful defensive outing and right. probably three common positions. The common positions are going to be a closeout disadvantage. It's going to be on the hip trail. Someone's running off a screen and they're playing with me on their hip. And then the third one is going to be a corral setting where I am engaged with him like a fighter pilot, but I am at a distance and there's some good videos I can send you. Yeah. Like Grayson Allen's a good example of a guy who like even watched Drew Holiday, Lou Dort. They all play different defense. They all play defense differently. But like there's one I sent read of Grayson Allen where he's just like running backwards and like just kind of running around and Troy Brown shoots like a 17 footer and misses it. And you're like, that's good defense. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's we not want Troy Brown to shoot that. Anything what you'd ever imagine defense so is like. With the rope drill where Reed is trying to keep space, are you how are you dribbling the ball? Are you in a stationary setting? Or are you list side lifting side to side? Okay. Full court. You got make so, and the whole idea of that is a lot of players and <clears throat> when they're taught a whole bunch in defense, defense isn't about shuffling. You don't actually shuffle your feet ever in defense. Mm. You hip flip and you turn and run. And then you jump sometimes backwards and forwards. And very rarely are you gonna shuffle unless you just have uh, you physically have dictated the, the possession. You've got in someone's hip on a ball screen and you're shuffling kind of through a ball screen. Mm -hmm. But very rarely are you shuffling an engagement for X period of time. You're going to be much like, think about what sport is the single most difficult sport to guard someone in. Um, it's probably football. It's mm -hmm. probably a cornerback. A cornerback is literally doing what a basketball defender is doing, but the guy running doesn't have a ball have to, to dribble. dribble. He just gets to run around. Just gets to juke you out as, as hard as he can. And so what they do, if you watch them move, they actually keep their feet really low. They're always bent over. They never open to extend. A lot of coaches talk, teach like push and lift and move. What about a wide stance? Does that, what do you think a, about that? A comfortable stance. What happens is you mm -hmm. don't want to be in a position where you reach. And what I mean by that, you want to cover ground from pushing to move. And so like, if you're in a really wide stance, that might be great if they're contacting you, but in that position, you don't have any leverage to move. And so you right, reach. you don't have a foot on the ground. So you're just going to get snapped on. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, like you just be act, look like you're playing defense as part of it. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and like when someone jumps and they shoot their shot, give a big closeout after, but you're never watch an NBA game. No one's ever chopped a closeout. You don't, you're going to get smoked. So what's what what's a bad way to play defense then with your footwork and your hip uh, hips and stuff or like what's big what's a a bad I guess a bad uh you talked about like okay this is a good example like this is how I know I had a good possession what would be a bad possession um you got dictated okay so what I mean by that is you can see it and you you play guys who are like this 
the, the best defenders that you've probably played are guys who play defense and you're like, that doesn't seem like defense. Like, that's weird. Like what? Like yeah. the example is like, I was playing chasing Randall NBA player, <clears throat> you know, chasing. And I, yep. I made a move and like when I'm dribbling, I didn't feel any pressure. He's like kind of given space. And the minute I went for any move, he would like, let me make the move. And the minute I went into the move, the gap was gone. And they, like, mm. you just take the ball from me. And so is way, it an intent anticipation of those gaps and stuff? No, it's the ability to give gaps. And so if you think mm. about the math of it, I have a basketball hoop, right? And I have then a radius from the hoop to every position and perimeter. So I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. 25 feet to every corner three is pretend like the perfect circle on defense. Yeah. I'm actually closer to the rim than the offensive player is. Right. The biggest disadvantage I can give is to get too close to the offensive player. Cause now we're actually on equal footing. Cause right. if I'm back a bit. Every step I take is basically equal to step and a half of them. So if I can constantly give ground, a good defensive possession is if I made this guy take two extra dribbles to get his shots because he might get it off this time, but next time I got someone coming weak side or I have, mm. um, he's got to his second move, which he has a lower percentage make to take. And so it's understanding that because think about as an offensive player, you're trying to make one move and totally get someone in a position where you dictate the entire course. And the best way you sure. do that is to engage someone. The, the best thing I want on offense is to get someone's hip. I've pointed their hip, my shoulders by their hip, and it's just, I can step back, I can go through them. Now they're they open up. totally dictating me. What happens a lot is players do that. And on defense, instead of turning and giving ground, they slide reach. And when they well, that's slide, what the drills tell us to do. Yeah, that's what our, stupid. My, my college warm-up was, uh, we should talk about this on the bad drills, the it can push, kick and push at 25%, then 50, then 75, then a hundred with, with two turn, like turn sprint square up and then kick, push, kick, push and turn and run. So Paul Fabris is a good video on it. And there's like two different steps. There's a full turn, hip flip and a half mm-hmm. turn, hip flip. So you might turn and push. Cause when you turn, you got it's your like legs kick, in position kind of like a, yeah. to give. And so with Reed, a lot of what we did and worked on when he was coming back from his hand stuff is like, how can we get him to, move his hips and sink to move versus this lift to move. And so mm. like, can I shrink his position to where he can flip his hips in a very small area? And then can I get him to, in that position, not reach to lift, but sink into a leg to move. Cause the last thing you want to do, if you think about hip extension, like I'm going to cover ground, imagine you're going to reach for um, like a cup of water. You can, completely reach with your arm as far as you can. And let's say you grab that water, but it's a little bit heavier than you expected. You don't have any recovery from that. You've like fully extended your arm and now you have no means of like, oh, it slid to the left, just a hair. But if you move your body to it and grab it with a slight bend and you bump it, you can extend your arm again to grab it. And so what happens when people fully extend, they've sold out. They've completely given themselves hard to recover from that. You can't recover from it because now you've pushed your, you've reached your center of mass and to move it again, you got to get your hips under your center of mass to push. And so just, if you just watch people play defense, you will be amazed at how first off, no one's actually in a defensive stance. That doesn't exist really. If you're off Mm. ball, because it's just really tiring to be in this bent knee position. Yeah. And then secondly, you want to be like, if you're off ball, you're a free safety. If you're one pass away or chasing someone, you're a cornerback. And if you're guarding someone, you're in press coverage. Mm-hmm. You're got, you're on them. You're going to give ground, get off, give ground and get off, but you cannot get cooked. What about a, what about a, a player that is terrible? Maybe doesn't deal with ball pressure very well, or somebody that is a shooter that you can't give that space or shouldn't give that space. So like, think about it in terms of, first off, if someone's someone can't handle the rock, heat them up. Yeah, like get the, if you're going to play it the way that I'm talking about NBA guys in this example, because there's not an NBA guy you're going to get in their grill, like full court and just say, I'm going to turn him over. Like even Jokic is out here going behind the back sure. guys trying to dive at his, you know, fast break handles. Um, those guys are so good at using their body that the minute you heat them up, you've just given too many angles away. Otherwise, you would see players get picked up full court with NBA more. Um, so you'd obviously, from that standpoint, NBA is really different. But if you're playing on a yeah. lower level, 
and the guy can't guard the ball, I mean, he can't handle the ball, heat him up. Obviously, that's going to turn him over. And if you're dealing with a shooter, it's understand how that shooter likes to shoot. Because mm-hmm. some shooters will not shoot off a pin down. They just are not very good at it. Is he a catch and shoot guy? Well, close your distance. And then the sure. other end of that is if you're a shooter and you know that you're a shooter and the defense thinks you're a shooter, understand what the defense is actually defending you at. A great example is Max Struess does this. He'll you know, like back up like 35 feet. And by doing that, he can judge where the defense thinks he's going to catch the ball. So it's a great example. I think Damian Lillard's guarding him off ball and they kick it out to him. He's like 35 feet from the hoop and the ball's coming to him. And that inverse of that radius that I just mentioned before with the hoop. Now, Struess has all the angles he can attack downhill to get this pass. Because he just backed up a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. he can grab it, and Damian Lillard might stop at 25 feet because that's a reasonable distance to shoot a three. But Struess knows in his mind Lillard has been taught to default to just stop a step and a half beyond the three-point line. So by just stopping two steps behind the three-point line to catch that pass because he's downhill to it, He's now open, and Damian Lillard sold out stop. Realize you got to take one more step. If you're a good enough shooter, that's a bucket. So the minute you start playing offense, you think about how the defense is actually playing you. And when you play defense, you think about what's the offense trying to do. Because defense doesn't exist without offense, and offense doesn't exist without defense. <laughs> so yeah. like we need to think about basketball not as this isolated event, like this is how you play defense, and this is how you play offense. No, no, this is how you play defense when the offense is doing this. And this is how you play offense when the defense is doing this. So obviously the, one of the most important thing is, is knowing who you're guarding and what they're capable of doing and what maybe some bad attempts might be. And knowing what you, that's gotta be pretty key. And knowing what you can't do. Sure. Like I'm not very fast. I'm not going to heat someone up. I don't care if the coach yell, you want to lose? I'll heat them up. Like Hmm. I'll go apply lots of ball pressure and get beat off the dribble. Like this is so stupid. What you should do is realize if I am in a situation where coach wants me to guard the ball, I'm not sliding. He makes a move. I'm getting off. I'm re-engaging. I'm getting off. I'm re-engaging. And and that way you're constantly giving space and getting space. And people are going to be like, oh, well, that's how you get mixed up. And that's how you get crossed over. And someone's a nasty pull up. Okay. How many guys are shooting a step back at a 38% clip? And not many. So go ahead make your one step back and I'll beat you in the game. Because you're going to take a shot that you're not very good at. Because I'm telling you right now, there are not many kids in college, let alone high school, who are going to put... Well, are even allowed to shoot that. I think the superstars in the NBA could hit that, but that's pretty rare because there's a ton of role players that aren't... Like Troy Brown's a great example. Troy Brown takes you downhill and shoots a step back and be like, yeah, all right, go ahead. LeBron's going to be pissed. (laughs) Well, here's the thing too is, and then when you're guarding the best player you're just hanging on for dear life. Yeah, it's different. Like Brunson put 44 up with Drew Holiday guarding him. Mm. No one's like, Drew Holiday can't play defense. No, these guys are professional bucket getters. Now, professional skill. Defense is always um, hindered because the offense always has the advantage. Every single time. The defense, no matter how athletic you are, you cannot move faster than the offense. Okay, here's a question. Let's say you have a team, full team practice, you're a coach. You have to spend some time on just your kids, not learning, uh, I guess, the concepts that we're talking about, but actually like working on some sort of drill work. What would you do with them? Um, I think some of the rope, first off, I, I would, it depends what they've learned. Like if there are a bunch sure. of kids who think like defense is the slide, slide. You got to reverse some. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about habits. how to actually play defense. Um, there's some drills I think you can do. Like one of the best ways to play defense is learn how to cover someone in football. It sounds so silly, but when you start to remove the basketball component and you're just trying to not let someone go somewhere, like play tag to an extent, corral someone, learn how to move. And you say, okay, look, that's that's literally no different than the basketball court other than the fact now the person has a basketball. And then you start to teach them about certain things. But if I was in a team, team setting and like a full like AMX mm-hmm. or the coach of this got team. 10 people, yeah. You got 10 people. We're going to go through some drills. You obviously want to play to see, because I'm assuming not every single player is going to have all the horrendous defensive habits. Like, And maybe we're in a situation, let's pretend they all have absolute trash habits. I'd really want them to start to practice how to move. Like, let's sure. play defense 
but we're not going to play it in front of a hoop. We're going to be in the court. This guy's going to dribble the ball. We're going to go at, let's say, 80% speed for the ball handler, make it within a competitive realm. And I want them to get used to running around stuff. So an example would be, I'll just give it, here's a drill, make it simple. Here's that we have an arc, the three-point line. The ball handler gets to dribble around the arc and the defensive person gets to shadow them. The person on defense might have a rope wrapped around the ball handler's waist. Don't let the rope lose tension. Ball handler, get tension on that rope. And then you start to find out, you start to sprint and run. You're not shuffling. You're going to lose very fast the minute that ball handler decides to run up the arc full speed and you're trying to shuffle <laughs> to stay along with right. them. So we did that with Reed. One of the things we'll do is we'll do mirror drills. And I have a ball and the person is in front of me and we'll go like half court and we're going to start facing each other and I can only run on a straight line and I'll sprint up one way and I'll cut back the other on that straight line. And you'll see the off the defender no longer push to move, but turn mm-hmm. to run, turn to run, Instincts. turn to run. Do you, do you think that there, it, this is kind of like a, uh, an autocorrector for um, movement as far as like, hey, this is how I'm going to get you guys to understand how to stay with somebody? Or do you think that you'd actually have to teach like footwork patterns to play defense? So or do you think per- like, hey, the- if, I, if you're just naturally trying to play tag or whatever, your body will adapt because you'll learn like, I got to keep up with them. In the perfect world, they would have no bad habits. Paul Fabritz had a funny comment. He said the best defender he's ever played was Darrell Rivas. Mm-hmm. He said the best guy's ever guarded him was Darrell Rivas. And it's funny because like I've played people before in basketball. And even if you're a basketball player, you can have these stupid, dumb habits of like shuffle, shuffle. And no matter how athletic you are, you can't, he can't stay in front of you. But then you play the guy who doesn't even play basketball and he's not thinking shuffle, shuffle. He's just the football players are always some of the tougher defenders. Yeah. The linebacker who's just like running around. The linebackers are crazy. And you're like, wait a second. Like, why are you doing that? He's like, I'm just trying to corral you. And you're like, well, that works. Like stop, <laughs> stop doing that. Play me like a basketball player. And so a lot of these basketball players get these drills embedded in them. And they think like, this is the way to move. We shuffle, we slide, but nowhere else in the world, in the whole world, if you had to just say, Hey, stay in front of this basketball. Would someone shuffle around to stay in front of a guy sprinting? Yeah. Like, okay. It makes no so- sense. So though, so some team drills would be um, just maybe some things with a rope, uh, some mirror drills. What if you are um, solo? What if you're by yourself? Can you do? Can you still work on defense or no? Uh, that's a great question. You can work on the things that contribute to defense, like being sure. able to sprint, being able to turn your hips, quick deceleration. Uh, so you can't you can't mirror somebody, but but you you can never mimic someone else who's and at least in concepts, movements are somewhat random because every time you're by yourself, you're always thinking about someone else. Some of the things I like to do, and these are kind of fun uh, options. You've maybe seen us do balloon drills before. Like we'll have two balloons. And um, and I don't say, by the way, shuffling is not bad because you will shuffle every now and then in basketball. You'll do an aggressive move. No one's shuffling for seven steps laterally. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, I hope you did that against me because I would just, cook you imagine like a cr- how much faster i can cross i'm crossing over by the way it's either a jab or a rip like that's all you would need if <laughs> somebody's gonna just shuffle i'd just be like okay see you later <laughs> okay, just float him one time in a hard yeah. push at him make him get on the heel and then pick a hip it's good night yeah and so but the drill is i'm saying the balloon i got caught up so you got two balloons um put it within the half court realm and it's the old-fashioned keep it up drill you hit it up in the air You'll get the other one and keep it up. Is there spacing? Is there spacing rules with that? So yes and no. Like don't cheat your ass off. You can like smack it as high as you want. And like, Mm. of course, then you can like trot back and forth. You want to keep it like just above a foot above your head when you tap it. But what's doing here is you're hitting the balloon and then you're immediately having to flip your hips and turn and sprint and then decelerate to hit the next balloon. And so by default, the balloon's going to waver in position. So when you turn... You're not knowing be, where the turn yeah, actually it's is. Random. So it's Balloons, random. man. Okay, so I, I have some athletes that probably need to work on defense. So I'm, I'm going to see if I can get some balloons and film some of this and uh, post it. And I'll tag you guys or I'll tag the podcast and I'll tag you too. But um, I like that. That's Try a good so, that's, that's a good solo drill um, 
In fact, I think, to be honest with you, we could come up with a whole defensive package and, uh, you know, for people that are doing it solo to work on things, like you said, that contribute to defense, but then also for teams and especially AU teams and youth teams. Um, because I feel like, I feel like the, the overall, you know, thing is like, get back to just moving almost like a kid, like without any habits, without any, like have to kick shuffle like this, just play tag, do what you would naturally do as, as a, as a kind of a kid would, so would here, run around. Here, here's another one we do. And this is fun because you can add a basketball to it. So you get both guys dribbling the ball. Or you can have one defender and whatnot. It will set up three cones or three trash cans in our case. And the lead guy has the ball and the defender is behind them with the rope. And the defender can chug the ball handler. They can't reach because it's a little unfair because you have trash cans and then you have a rope and you can kind of like cheat. But you can chug mm. the guy and you can actually hit it from behind. You just can't totally just run him into a trash can. So, <laughs> so, so a defender a can pull the, pull the rope? No, no, you can't pull oh. it. If you get tension on the rope, you lose. Oh, As, So we're trying to get to five trash cans. We have three trash cans, like a triangle. I get a run around the trash can itself. Now there's some rules to this, some specifics. So like if I go to a trash can, I have to go to the trash can. I can't like halfway to the trash can and swerve because it just becomes way too unfair to the defense because basically now you're just running around in the open court and you're probably yeah. going to lose. But if yeah. you're the defender, if that person with the ball is getting to the trash can and you cut their angle off to that trash can and like you wall them up in between and get them in front, you can chug them and they lose the ball, you win. So if you if that ball handler comes to a dead stop because you've chugged them and cut them in between the trash can and you, that's your point. If the ball okay. handler gets to five trash cans, that's their point. If the ball handler at any point in time gets tension on the rope, that's their point. If you as the defender are able to get in their grill and knock the ball away, chug them some physicality, that's your point. Because what's and happening what, is... Explain chug them. Explain that term. Like a forearm chug to okay, the hip. Just, yeah, like, okay. I, like I don't want hands because I don't want people... We didn't use With hands because Reed has a messed up hand bump. when we did it. Mm. And so we didn't want to hit hands. Um, mm. But also because I don't want people swiping down and getting in a horrible habit, maybe chugging sure. someone's plant the greatest habit. But the idea of a chug is you at least have to be like chested with them. It's condensed. Yeah. It's yeah, more cause of a... it's think of it as a controlled impact. A lot of the issues with the drills, if you just played straight basketball, you'll get someone to like throw a chest into someone. And mm. that's a really good way to step on someone's foot or yeah. even just have an unnecessary contact. That's pretty physical with a sure. chug. You're at least keeping a foot and a half to a foot from the guy. And that's yeah. enough closeness to be like, look, I'm really here to guard you. And at the same time, you're not like throwing a shoulder in the guy's face. <laughs> it's a little bit of a buffer, especially when you're working with guys who are like 25 years old and know how to be a grown up about the drill. Yeah. And so those are What's kind a, of fun ones what, to do. What is a good mirror? No rope, no tools, one person, another person. What's a good mirror drill with with spacing and and maybe there's some lines on the floor that you could use? Uh, I don't want to put you on a spot like this. No, you're but fine. Like, uh, you know, something that you know, if in a workout or a practice, if somebody didn't have a rope or, or anything like that, is there, is there a pretty easy mirror drill that can be done to that? Yeah, you and for the rope, you can literally take like a bath towel and wrap it around mm. his waist and just hold it. So like, or a t-shirt. So say we don't have a rope, it's going to be pretty hard. You can make yeah. a long sleeve t-shirt wrapped on a waist and you're holding the back tail. It's going to work sure. pretty well. Okay. Um, some other mirror drills you can do. Um, you can do a, like, I mean, just the good old fashioned strip, just a mirror drill. Like I said, playing like a, a sport like football or having to guard someone on yeah. cuts is a great way to just get people to move. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll do stuff where if I'm the ball handler, um, I might have some guy guarding me behind me, in front of me. So if I like the obvious open court, like defense type stuff and yeah. just literally working on that person sizing me up and he bursts by me with a, with like a one to two real tough go and me mm -hmm. working on flipping my hips and getting off that distance. So the similar drill to the rope drill, but this time it's a little more actually with a ball and you're trying to not sure roll to sleep or give up a hip. Sure. Um, you can just do other stuff. So another mirror drill that we'll do, and you can do without a rope is like, you're just facing the person and we'll do this on curves face to face. and we'll do this on. So with Reed, we call it the circle man drill. So there's one guy mm. in the middle. 
and Reed is on defense and he's on the outside and he's at half court. So the half court. And you're on the inside. I'm on the inside. I remember seeing this. And the, the rule is I can walk and don't be, you know, an asshole and sprint this drill because you'll just beat the defender. You want to yeah, do it at a reasonable pace and you have to walk in straight lines. You can't curve. There's mm. other rule. So, so if I want to change directions, I have to almost be robotic and turn. Yes, to the, because you yeah. want, you have such an advantage. So Reed yeah. has to make me turn four times. The way it works, I start in the middle. Reed's facing me. Reed is on the circle of the half court line, the half court line, the half court circle, jump circle. And so I might walk away from him towards the other end of that circle. He has to shuffle as fast as he can around that circle to get to my side. And if he stops me, I can walk back again and I can change, go left. And my goal is to try and escape the circle. I I remember seeing this drill. Are you allowed to turn and sprint or does that have to be shuffles? So he can turn and sprint eventually. Mm. It depends on how fast I'm going. Another one that we do um, Mm. for turn and sprint stuff is I might be um, on the arc he might be a step off the arc. So think about like a foot and a half on the baseline. And I can go on my go. I'm running on the outside of the arc. And he gets to take the inside lane of the arc. He's trying to tag me all the way to the other end. So what do you mean I'm, tag you? So if I'm on the three-point line on one baseline and he's on yep. the inside of that, say a foot and a half, he has the yep. leverage because he's on the inside. Yep. I go, then he chases me. So now he has the leverage though because he's on the inside. And he has to tag me before I escape out the other end of that three-point line. So if I'm following the arc, I start in the right, let's say, left baseline. If I escape out by running on that arc and get out to the right baseline, that three-point arc, and he tags me at any point in time before that, he wins. Okay. So So that's a full-on like race. That's turn and burn. And then you can manage that. You can manage that by then saying, okay, I'm going to have like, I'm going to have to turn twice as an offensive player. I'm going to try and get by him or I'm just trying to basically, you know, put a, a quick dig in the ground and get him to shake off of me. So maybe the mirror would be, I have to do three to four turns to get Reed to totally bite one way versus the other. Okay. You're working on the ability to flip the hips and turn and run. So we're, we're kind of like face to face. And as soon as I turn and go, your job is to flip your hips. And I, at any point I could maybe slam the brakes and start going the other way. Mm-hmm. Got it. <clears throat> and you just play with it. The whole idea is like, how can I like I that make... one? You could do that one with a rope as well, right? Yep, yeah, we've done it with a rope. You can do it while the guy's dribbling the ball, actually. Top of the key mm. is at the top of the arc. He's dribbling the ball. He can only run on the arc itself. And then people are going to hear these like, well, what, what drill should I do? You know, like, you named like nine to 10 drills. The whole moral of the story is how can we get people to move again without mm. thinking about defense? How can Corralling. we play defense without thinking about having to play defense in this stuck way with all these bad habits. Stop and, trying to get on ball steals. Yeah. And like, honestly, sometimes get a hoop out of the way. Cause people think hoop, they'll think basketball, they'll think shuffle and slide, get it out of basketball's mindset and just try and get back to what it is like to stop someone. Okay. When someone's running their fastest and this is how I can stop them. Now I can work backwards to put that in a defensive setting. Cause in reality, defense has been taught to kids to shuffle and then they have to then work forward to realize shuffling doesn't work. I have to turn and run. Why don't mm. we teach them to turn and run, give ground, give space. And then after that, they can toggle back to meet the demands of the opponent. I have some for you. Let's say I'm turning and running and I'm like catching up on my, you know, he drives to the left. I'm catching up on my left shoulder with him and he changes direction. Would you say it's okay for me instead of trying to flip my hips, open my chest, if I can just turn to the other shoulder? What do you think about that? So if does that make sense? If he's running, let's walk through this. He's let's just pretend yeah. he's in open court. He's running. Yeah, and he's you're going on his left shoulder. Yep, I'm on his left shoulder. And your right shoulder's next to his left shoulder. Right. Because you're running and, side by side. Yep, and he's going to change directions and go back to the other other side so, so he's, he's going to right switch. hand and he's going to cut gonna to his switch. left hand yep can you should you just flip your shoulders or you should totally no, open no. up and oh, do like I a 180 flip the hips don't flip do a 180 the, the minute you put your back to them you're cooked okay because plus anytime you hit contact with a back to the defender it's automatic foul if, that, if hmm. you turn your back and i immediately hit you that's a foul on you guaranteed because that 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 does happen a ton in transition is like you get somebody to turn their back and then the offensive players taught obviously just to go right at them Close yeah, the gap and just get by. Yeah, you don't flip your hips. But again, like that's a great situation. So if you're in the open court and the dude's made a move like that on you 
and you're side by side. This is like a full sprint. We're at half court, shoulder mm-hmm. to shoulder. Rip him. Rip him then and there. You're going to take the foul on half court, trying to rip the ball. Don't mm-hmm. give it banana one. Too many kids go at the last second to a lazy swipe at the ball. Give banana one. You get a foul. You get three points. Dumb play. Go where he's most vulnerable. He's not most vulnerable at the point of attack where he's leveraging a shoulder to hit you. He is most vulnerable at that moment of transition. Because if you can sure. get bobble it, lose it a hair, he's going to lose that angle on you and you have a chance to mm-hmm. recover. Because remember, your most vulnerable point when you're offensive player is the most vulnerable point that you should attack as a defensive player. On offense, sure. no one would say, I'm most vulnerable when I'm going up into a bot. No, I've, I have dictated my launch angle. I'm coming into someone. I'm making contact to make a finish. So you wonder why all these weak swipes at the ball don't do anything. You don't rip anyone ever. They're most vulnerable when if I'm running full speed, I got to change direction and then get ready to leverage myself for a contact. It's when that ball is going between my legs. If you're a defender, sell out to that side, make him cross back at full speed. That's one heck of a move. If someone's going full speed and they're going to hit you with a double move. Yeah. And if they do that, dude, you're cooked either way. So you at least sold out the right time. What do you think about? Because I I do this uh, just off of instinct because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be playing defense and either a backpedal or moving laterally and be able to jump out of that stance and block anybody. So a lot of times when somebody either tries to kind of put a shoulder into me or create that contact, I'll almost like um, suck back my stomach or my chest and cave in and allow that shoulder to come into me and almost kind of go ragdoll a little bit on them. And then while they while they kind of go into my body, that ball gets closer to my hands. And then that's when I start to get my swipes. Right. So I yeah, almost yeah. like you anticipate that bump. And instead of trying to hit them back, right. I'll almost take in some of that contact and sink in and then just try to swipe down or uh, get a hand on the ball. Yeah, that that's way. really good. Cause right. You're thinking about the exposure points. People don't, it's like drives me nuts. I don't think we think about basketball very much. You just like to go like, oh, play this. There are certain yeah. moments in the sport where you're at a huge disadvantage, like playing blackjack. There's certain times when you should double. If you're having 11 and the dealer's showing a five and there hasn't been a face card in a while, that's a great opportunity to double. So not every position in basketball is made equal. Some of them are high vulnerable positions. So a certain time is when someone is trying to leverage you, i.e. they're trying to make contact. They're trying to get you to float. Like they're trying to get you on a hezzy to jump. Mm. There are certain things they're trying to do to get you to do. And if you know they're trying to do that thing, they've actually exposed themselves in other areas. So sure. like the example is if someone's trying to make contact with you and they've reached to make contact versus accelerated, yeah. they've now given up. Their protection was the contact, not the ball security. So by default, you've actually opened up the disadvantage point, which is the ball contact. Imagine mm. if someone hits you with a floating hezzy. And you just jump when it. they float laterally. You would and cook you just them. get up in the hips. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's over. They have to bounce the ball out, and the whole move's done. Uh-huh. So by default, they're exposing something in an attempt to get you to bite on that thing. So they mm. are. It's a game of chess, essentially. They're trying to get you to bait in a certain way. Well, well I think that's a that's typically uh, what I'll tell kids, or even myself, if I have a taller, maybe a bigger guy guarding me, I'll actually back away and just start lifting laterally side to side and see if they bite on one of those like lifts. Like if they just kind of step incorrectly into space or they don't step into space. And um, I am willing to, this is my prediction. If you're a shooter and you get a big man to switch onto you back up and dribble and just shoot a three, no big man wants to be on the perimeter. You have to understand they don't. As soon as you start dribbling at them, they get a little nervous too. They back up. They want to you to not get their hip. They know they have length. So they think you're going to drive because everyone thinks guard quicker going to drive me. I'm going to give up my, I'm going to give up distance. I'm going to get my length. I'm going to try and block a shot. Instead, go right at them. One hard dig, pull up, free lunch, time and time again. Make sure you can hit it. Because if you think about it, you're thinking about not what's open because you're open. You're thinking what's open because that's a big man and that big man doesn't want to be out here. Yeah. Think about when the guards on island. What does a guard do when they're on island? They heat you up. Guards, mm-hmm. when it's like mano y mano, they're gonna get right in your grill. Oh, yeah. A good defender, and they're gonna try and dictate you one way, send you to help. A big man goes, Oh crap, 
I'm in a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. They start backing up on their heels. They extend their arm <laughs> really far. <laughs> They're like, oh, like the nene. <laughs> and you can just shoot a three. And so again, offense is only exists because defense exists and defense only exists because offense exists. So if you're a big man and you got a guard on you who can shoot it, my advice would be to get up and, and try and make him blow by you as you mm. try to get up in him, force him one way. And the minute he goes that way, flip your hips and use your length. Cause as a matter yeah. of fact, if he gets in front of you as a guard, we hate having a big man on our completely on, on our, our back. backs. Yeah. Like you don't want a, cause big... you're not, you're not even looking at the rim or people in front of you. You're like peeking over your shoulders yeah, you... and then you can see there's help side. And I think uh, the first clip that comes to mind when I think about that, what you just explained is uh 2016 finals kevin love i think it was curry right was curry yeah, on yeah, like top of the key the remember when kevin love was famous. like it was like a little bit of ball pressure but his hand was up and he was just like not trying to give up a three to curry and he was on an island and it was like i was nervous um for kevin love but he did great and because he played defense relative to what the offense was trying to accomplish right Right. Most not, big men not, just back up. They just back up yeah. and they go, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. like, Understood you're... the assignment. Yeah. Try to make him do some stuff that – and I, I don't remember what happened. I think Curry actually shot a three and missed it. but He did. It was uh, a, a horrible possession. He, like, dribbled, like, nine times. Dribbled too much. Pump and... fake, headsy. I think he just, like, did, like, seven things. He took a wild three that basically was a really horrible shot in that situation. And, I remember watching and it. Really I, and I guess traditional coaching for a big guy like Kevin Love there would be to, like – Give him some space or yeah, give whatever, ground. right? Don't get yeah, beat. Give, Don't give a your... layup. Yeah. But with Curry, totally different story. That's interesting, man. I think the whole defensive thing is – I've always thought this too because I've always been yelled at, especially in high school, to like get in this low stance on the backside. And I'm like, I love the idea of being like for that free safety. And that's how I felt like I got a lot of my steals was like you kind of like are in an uh, – not super low, but you're ready to kind of explode – um, and you're kind of baiting some passes and like playing angles and like making sure you're in between two people and all these things. And I always felt like I played like such better defense like that off ball. Anyways, on ball is a whole different story. I don't, I don't know that I ever fully figured that one out. Um, well, that's and the thing. I, like yeah. not to interrupt you, but on ball defense, it, it it's impossible. Yeah. You're supposed it's to very lose. Difficult. If you yeah. play a good offensive player, good on ball yeah. defense means that you had, enough time bought for help side to deter the pass. Like, do you, do you think playing one-on-one -on -one is a good strategy for defense? Um, if you know what you're doing, I think people get really upset and think make or misses depends. Good defense. Like, do you like you, a three? Do you like a three dribble limit or what do you think? I guess it probably depends on what realistically, you're trying to but... Realistically, three on three, three dribble one-on-one -on -one is the best way to make things fair. Yeah. But defense isn't fair. In reality, if you really want to work on good defense, it should be like seven dribbles. Mm. But it's a it's a grown-up seven dribbles. What I mean by that is if you win on defense, if this guy's taken two turns 15 feet from the hoop, if this guy's taken a ridiculous shot with seven dribbles and he shoots a step back fadeaway from 17 feet, make or miss, you won on defense. Okay. And so, so dictating how how the points are scored is maybe could be a little bit different in that situation. Yeah, I, I don't think make or make it take it's the best way to do it. I, like I said, I think just being mm. a grown up about it. Like yeah. if you're going to go a bit of a judgment call, yeah. Play call it gentleman scoring. Like if you're gonna go and play and you're gonna go make a move, like we I played with AJ this summer, some stuff on the mm. closeouts. And I'd make a shot like, yeah, you stopped me. Like I made it. Like that's a good defense. Like that's a ridiculous yeah. shot I made. <laughs> you're fine. No one's gonna take um, a double jab between the legs falling baseline three and mm. you make it and say that's bad defense. And mm. so when we think make or miss is bad defense, what happens is you start to get overly aggressive to stop someone. You'll jump, you'll reach and the, the value of a stop, a physical miss on one-on-one, -on -one, specifically a steal or a block is way overvalued relative to that of a basketball game. Cause in a basketball game, the value of a block or a steal is weighed against the likelihood of a foul. And so if you look at the value proposition of a steal or a block, it has to be weighed collinearly or as in conjunction with the potential of foul and N1. Mm. When you're playing one-on-one, -on -one, there is no foul track. There's no counter of fouls. And so 
there is no uh, benefit to, or there is no negative to that weighing of stealing and trying to block a shot. In conjunction with that, because it's make or miss, it also highly values a complete stop versus a running score tabulation. Because by make or missing, if you get someone to miss, which is a guaranteed miss, not a probability miss, they can get the ball back and they might, you know, they won't get the ball back and you will. Versus if you have a one-on-one game where we switch every possession, you're not as concerned with trying to steal the ball every time because you're just going to live with probabilities because you know they're going to get 10 shots. Mm. And with 10 shots, I'm, my guess is that percentage of that shot is 35%. So I'm going to so, get 3.5 stops versus being very caught up in the acute, did I stop someone or not, and did I get the ball back? A better way to play ones is not to go make it take it, but to also say, hey, we're each going to get 10 attempts, and we'll see who scores out of the 10 attempts. Like, just think about it. Like if yeah. you're playing defense, did you play good? You know, if you play good defense, the offense knows you don't need to score everything. Just be like, that was yeah. good defense. And the offense goes, that was bad offense. Like I made it cool, but like, that's, a, I'm one not the, taking that shot in real life. One of the ways uh, that was super difficult for me in the start was when I got to college, we played, I mean, I actually didn't mind this row, but we played one-on-one from the free throw line where you had to face up um, on the free throw line. And then you had to score within the lane lines. So you had to kind of be a little bit more lethal with your, I guess, like your middle jab to get them off and then playing with a side jab. And um, I think there were some times where we weren't allowed to shoot any shots, um, but it was tough. I mean, it was, it wasn't, I don't know if that's the best drill for the defense because actually that's a pretty tight area, but I don't know. And and that's an important thing for coaches to understand is what is the effective field goal percentage prediction so like if you're doing a drill where you're in a position where more times than not 50 percent of the shots go in good defense is when only 45 percent of the shots go in mm. but coaches are silly they're like three stops in a row three stops are you kidding three That's stops in a row and i'm and i'm at a disadvantage i'd be in shell drill for like an hour <laughs> yeah you're basically in a disadvantage closeout you're in a situation where if you actually did the stats if you're on a dead close disadvantage with no help side, there's probably an 85% likelihood that's going to score. Mm. If you're in a disadvantage closeout in a full empty gym and the offense gets three dribbles, there's probably an 85% chance that person's going to score on you. Sure. And that's not basketball. It's mm. not basketball. There is right. never a situation where I get smoked and there's not even a challenge at the rim. Do, if do I get think- smoked in offense on defense, they still have to score my big. Yeah. Do you, do you think uh, coaches want to do uh, defensive drills like that where you have to get three in a row to kind of overdo like the difficulty of it so then you become a defender and some of those percentages go down? Or what do you think the, the purpose is of the three in a row? Or Because other this... coaches have done it and they got to fill an hour and a half time period. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. So you, you... You don't see the, there's really no benefit in that then as far I as mean, like. it's fine, sure, but you can't just yell at the player to get three in a row. Right, it's, it's uh, difficult for sure. If you don't understand the statistics of the drill, it's a, it is a factual misapplication of the drill. And then, sure. they're, gonna, then they're gonna justify it with stupid things like it builds toughness. Okay, mm-hmm. coach, if you're so tough, you've done these drills your whole life, why do you get teed up when we get a bad foul call? Clearly this mental yeah. toughness thing hasn't worked for you. So yeah. That's a great thing. I love coaches who preach mental toughness, but will yell at their players. Yeah. How dumb are we'll you? Scream at them. <laughs> You're so mentally tough. If basketball makes you mentally tough and makes you this guy who can persevere through anything universally, yet one foul call doesn't go your way or a bad pass in a walkthrough and you boot it into the crowd, yeah. how mentally tough does basketball make you? That's a whole different topic. Yeah. Mental toughness, like, we probably had some good clips for that one. Some good B-roll clips. That's not for that. an actual like universal quality, right? It's not like this like translatable quality that if I did something that was I sat in a cold tub, it was really tough. Now I can make sure I'm on time to pick up my wife at the <laughs> airport. Like, why is that a universal quality? You ever seen the clip of Larry Bird? I don't know if I remember. He was coaching the Pacers, but they like made some. I think it might have been Reggie Miller that made some crazy shot. And uh, he had no reaction. He just literally was just like stone cold. Just like, yep, okay, we got to get to the next thing. What's the next thing? So impressive. I love those clips where the coach has no reaction to really anything. and just gets in the huddles like, this is what we have to do for this situation. 
that yeah, stuff and, to me is like the, one of the most impressive things. NBA coaches typically do a little bit better because they're dealing with people who are grown men who grown men. And there's also even with college, you, we've talked about that too. Like you have 21, 22, 20, you know, well, I'm not excusing have, college coach. I think it's right. stupid, <laughs> stupid when college coaches do it. I yeah. just say wild things. And then uh, I don't want to go down that path, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when it comes to these drills, like really ask yourself why you're doing this. How about a charge drill? Does a charge drill work? I broke my wrist twice doing that. It doesn't work. I took one charge my whole career and I'm lots of charge drills. One charge. Very last game I ever played. I don't think I, I ever took a charge. One. I last basketball game I ever played in college. I flopped on a post up. I wore the first hit. The second one was coming on the best player and I just flopped. They called it and I got up and I sprinted down the court and like gave the let's go to the bench and, and people were dying. It was awesomely hilarious. Like second part of the game. Are, are those toughest tar- charge drills or toughness drills just pointless? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ask a player. Oh my God. Ask a player. It will never, unless that player is kind of drunk on the Kool-Aid a little bit with that coach. It's you're never going to get a player that loves those drills or finds the benefit because it's, it goes back to what we talked about. You start gaming drills, right? you you tell your teammate like, Hey, don't, don't let's not hit each other. That's just hard <laughs> this time. Like just give me a little bump. I'll sell it to coach, whatever. Or like the ones like you have to take the charge, get up and go grab the ball. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, Hey manager, can you just slow toss that a little bit or give me some more bounces? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, if it was something fun, people would do it recreationally. And it was something beneficial. You would be able to stratify your players who are good versus mm-hmm. not good based on it. Well, it's so like, random when they, when we, like be a random day in the middle of the season, like, yeah, we're going to do charge drill. It's like, for what? Why are we doing this? Cause we missed one charge attempt like last game. <laughs> and now we do this drill and we'll be fixed for the rest of the season. Yeah. It's so stupid. And I hate to bring it up, but it's just a silly. It's a silly yeah. concept. And it, again, basketball is a sports in general is a great area of people just doing things. Cause they do things hmm. like you can go into conditioning, like the defense will round it. We'll keep it, you know, kind of tied up here, but the defense, the great yeah. example, Cause there's so many misnomers and I've been taught so much, so many different things in defense. Like it depends too. Uh, they don't uh, take a step back, but when you you're taught defense, you're taught it within a philosophy and kids don't understand that. Like it was a big, you know, the Tony Bennett pack line defense as I grew up playing. So you're like mm. ball, you man, and you're way off versus some teams are full denial defense, but no coach actually bothers to tell you why they're doing it. So as a player, then you just like, this is how you think defense exists yeah. versus the actual concept of defense. And so you get these really bad habits of maybe being really soft on ball or too aggressive on ball, but it's nothing related to the offense. It's just like that's how you're playing and yeah, doesn't have any logic behind it. You're just kind of randomly doing something that you were told to do versus doing something because it's actually going to be effective at what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Love well, it, man. That was a great, that's a great uh, defensive talk right there. Super Man, valuable. That was very much off the cuff for those listeners at home. This was meant to be a podcast about, yeah. uh, not about this topic. It actually wasn't meant to be a podcast at all. It wasn't supposed to be a podcast at all. I think we just made a podcast. So we appreciate <laughs> you listening. Um, Another great one. Another yes, one in the books. As always, thank you for listening. Um, let us know what you think about defense, some defensive drills you like. Tag us in some stuff, share some stuff. We'll uh, be on TikTok and whatnot, so hit us up there on Instagram as well. I appreciate you guys.